Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Rack and yak. It's time for What Mark Heard on Saturday Suckage with Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum. Boy, everyone is stupid except me. Come to the right place. Our near award-winning segment, What Mark Heard. That Mark would be Mark Grody. He's right over there. Mark, what did you heard? Well, Eddie Olchek was on the radio station yesterday, and we have yet, you and I, to talk about Brent Seabrook, who retired, the outstanding defenseman for the Blackhawks for a decade plus. First, let's listen to what Eddie Olchek said, and then I am very much looking forward to hearing your thoughts on Brent Seabrook being the hockey guy you are. But here is what I heard from Eddie Olchek. He pretty much did everything, right? Like, he's a huge penalty killer. Uh, he would drop the gloves every once in a while. He, he you know, he, he put the shoulder into some people's chests. Uh, you know, he, he scored the big goals. Uh, you need all types. You need everybody. Uh, it is a puzzle. And you need every piece of that puzzle in order to see at its, uh, you know, at its complete. And Brent Seabrook was a gigantic part. And we saw what he did on the ice and, but I think even more so in that dressing room, when you talk to the heart of that team and talk to guys that were here for 10 games or 500 games, it doesn't go very deep until you hear the name Brent Seabrook. Eddie Oldchuk on the score yesterday on our afternoon show, Parkins and Spiegel. You know, the one word that I come up with, Steve, when I think about Eddie Oldchuk is responsible. And then the other word would be trustworthy so two words and i think those are big words when it comes to hockey and anybody in sports when he had the puck when they needed him i always felt good with that guy handling things steve rosenblum what do you think about bren seabrook the news that came down what kind of a player he was the impact everything on bren seabrook well i don't think the news was a surprise we were all just waiting for this to happen and we'd seen the the his game devolve, and it was sorry to see that somebody who was so important. And Eddie says, right, it is a puzzle. Um, you can look at the core of, if you look at Kane and Taves and Keith and Seabrook, and you know that any one of them not there, they don't have that kind of decade. They were all important in their own ways. And, and the fact that Seabrook really was, here's what I equate him to. And you'd have to have seen the 1980s Oilers to appreciate it. Gretzky was the best player. Gretzky was a captain. Everything was Gretzky, and who was he going to find? He was going to find curry. He was going to find coffee and all that. But the soul of that team was Marc Messier. And I think in a lot of ways, Brent Seabrook was the Marc Messier. They didn't play the same game, but he was the Marc Messier of the Hawks. He was the soul. He was sound in the locker room. His face, his heart, and, and whatever happened in that locker room on the bench. This guy, remember, was the Taves whisperer. And sometimes yeah. we saw famously the Taves yeller. He gets mm-hmm. into the penalty box in Detroit when Jonathan Taves takes yet another penalty against the, in that famous Detroit series and, and screams at him. 
who's going to do that to Captain Sirius, the captain of your team, a, a, a legend, Jonathan Taves, and there's Brent Seabrook. That's what needed to be done. That, I think, think speaks to being an all-around his teammate. But the clutchness, I went and looked that up, his clutch, what Brent, Mr. Big Shot did. And in 2013, he only had two goals in the playoffs, both in overtime, in the finals against Boston, and, of course, that goal in Detroit. That was the, the Game 7, the one that ended Game 7. In 2015, he had four goals in the playoffs. And it's pretty remarkable that you're talking about a guy who had, I'm sorry, he had four goals in the third period or later. Think about that. When you needed them, that was what happened. Four goals, two assists in the third period or later. And that the the goal he scored against Detroit to win the series when they came back from three games to one was assisted by Dave Boland and Michael Froelich. That was not exactly... Keith to Taves to Cade, right? <laughs> right that's right. that's Brent right. Seabrook doing that from Bolin and Froelich. But I looked up Bolin because he was so famous in 2013. He scored the the Cup winner, right? Yeah. So he had in in the third period or overtime, he had five points in the playoffs. All three goals were in the third period or overtime. Dave Boland, just a little killer. And that's what Brent Seabrook was. He was just, I, I often equated him to the Hawks version of Messier because of the heart, because he was going to tell the captain what to do. I mean, an Oilers game didn't start until Messier ran over somebody, and that was that. And Brent Seabrook could have a, a, a physical effect on a game. He could, he could score. He could set people up. And like, you know, Eddie was saying, kill penalties. Every every situation, Brett Seabrook was going to be out there and the Hawks were going to win because of it. And, and for those reasons, he's he's an all-timer in a um, in this franchise. No doubt, man. All right. Um, moving on, what Mark heard, Alan Robinson was, what is a what Mark heard segment without something on Alan Robinson? <laughs> And, it's so true. We, right? We he is a, this thing. <laughs> he is no, yeah, if we go back, man, there's probably <laughs> one to two Allen Robinson cuts per segment, but they just keep yes. getting better and more worthy of being on this nearly award-winning segment. But Allen Robinson was opening up kind of like I've never heard him, actually, with Chris Collinsworth. Chris Collinsworth does a podcast for Pro Football Focus. The cut I want to play first is Alan Robinson talking about how hard it was, essentially, to deal with having played with two different quarterbacks, two different systems last year. Honestly, I would say going into the season last year, it was something where uh, I didn't, you know, think because I hadn't really played with two quarterbacks for, you know, a while. So I really didn't think or know how it would, you know, affect me as a player or affect our offense, but it's – very, I definitely underestimated that, you know, because for us, it's like we ran two different schemes. You know, we had two different people calling the plays, you know, like you're trying to learn and adjust to two different people on the fly. You know, Nick, when he gets to the line, he likes to get you into the right play, into the right looks and, and things like that. He's a, he's very gung ho on checks and adjustments at the line of scrimmage. You know, so for guys, that's something that guys had to get used to, you know, even some of the young guys being in a, playbooks non-stop because Nick if he sees something he's going to get to you know um, a block block flat you know if he sees you know uh, a possible nickel blitz or something like that or he might get to a screen or he might so it's like the whole playbook is open you know at any point in time and then also when you have Mitch you know is the scheme is a little bit different you know you know um, we want to use his athleticism some more you know so some of the different concepts that we bring into and, and kind of evolve into the offense are a little different. You know, last year we had a new offensive coordinator as well. You know, so coming into training camp, we're kind of learning his system, you know, and then once Nick came in, you know, we're kind of going back to a different kind of system, more of a West Coast style. So it was it was a lot last year, you know, and it was something that, you know, for myself, I, I definitely underestimated, you know, um, as far as the impact that it may have having two different quarterbacks and, you know, playing in multiple kind of schemes, you know, so it, it was tough a little bit sometimes last year. 
How about that from Allen Robinson? Two different play callers, two different quarterbacks. And Steve, not only was this difficult for Allen Robinson to take in, but then you think about somebody like Anthony Miller, who was completely lost last year at some point in time mm-hmm. in the system. And, you know, a guy like that who is younger and maybe doesn't have the exact same aptitude that Allen Robinson does because Robinson is like at a 10. I mean, how confusing could that have been for some of the younger guys like Miller, like Cole Komet, even, even the, the rookie Darnell Mooney who succeeded. So, it just makes me wonder about how chaotic things must have felt on that Bears offense last year because of all of that. On the offensive line, which guys look yeah. at you know, I mean, that's that's the the Rockettes. They all they're a team within a team. So let me ask you know what I, the I hadn't thought of it <clears throat> that way, and now I wonder if he has indicted the general manager and the coach, who collaborated on Nick Foles, and the fact that you would. Trade for a guy who didn't run the kind of system you wanted to run would force you to learn two different systems on the fly or have your players adapt to that. Is that, should that be considered normal or should that be considered a major error on top of an error by the general manager and coaching staff in putting the Bears in that position? But I heard him say, and correct me if you inferred differently, that Allen Robinson is saying that when Nick Foles is out there, the entire playbook is open. So that would suggest to me that he liked that, but they just weren't prepared for it. I mean, isn't that what you heard? Like, and then it was, lim- yeah. he didn't say the word limited, I, he might have, um, that it was different with Trubisky because it's half the field, essentially. But he did say the whole playbook is open, and I have to imagine that any offensive player would appreciate that, right? So yeah. I don't know if they dislike I, – I don't know if that, that's him saying it was a mistake to bring in Foles. I think he probably liked the idea of having the entire playbook open until, obviously, Foles was ineffective behind an offensive line that he just couldn't manage. Yeah, Foles' best game it was, a, it was a game Trubisky started. And he came yeah. and did what Foles is supposed to do. I don't. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe that's it. I guess if you wanted to be charitable, you could say, well, no off season this, no off season that. Nobody's getting together. Nobody's, nobody's putting, nobody's preparing these players for a quarterback who, who is not limited by his knowledge. And and instead, you have a quarterback here who can can recall any page in the playbook and have make that be the right call if you do your job. So they had no reason to. Really, Mitch gave him no reason to study the full playbook. Yeah, Coach made no, sure that, it, right? it's true, and it just it makes point. me. I'm not. I'm not as wondering mm-hmm. about Allen Robinson when I hear hear that as I am about the rest of the offense. But one more yeah. cut from uh, Allen Robinson, and this is this is more the, the standard stock stuff from Allen Robinson. But here he is again. Here is the latest from Allen Robinson discussing his future playing with the Bears or not. Culture fit, and I would say culture, you know, definitely um, as far as offense, you know, and then also, you know, when it kind of comes to the to the to the team aspect, you know, and again, from being in certain locker rooms, I think cultures with teams are are huge, you know, like like I mean, and you've been a part of some great cultures, you know, yourself, Richard. So as far as like when you kind of see that, you know, you understand how far you know that can take a team. One, then the second would be on the on the offensive coordinator side you know I personally feel like I can fit into 97 percent of schemes you know but definitely being able to be in a scheme where you know I'm able to to move around I'm able to have those impactful plays on first down able to get in the mix on third down you know but at the same time you know um I'm not opposed to you know playing with playing with some of the other you know uh receivers in the league you know I think that that's something that you know I had a chance to do I mean we have some uh real good young guys uh, in Chicago, you know, but I, I even think back to when I played with Alan Hearns, you know, and, and, and me and him both went for over a thousand yards and just kind of the, the energy that we had to compete, to make each other better on it, on a weekend week out basis. And, you know, that definitely was exciting too. It becomes a, a point in time as a player to where is, you know, I can't want to be in Chicago more than they want to have me in Chicago. That's 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 the thing, you know. I mean, if you asked me this question a year ago, you know, you you would have probably got a completely different answer. 
But at this point now, it's like, you know, if we can make it work, cool. If not, cool. You know, it's not, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting so caught up in, you know, where it's like I said before, I'm not tying anybody's hands. I'm not begging. I'm not asking nor forcing anybody to pay, you know, or like if we, if we want to make something happen, cool, fine and dandy. If not, we both can move forward. Hmm. Yeah. And that makes sense. I don't, I th- and I think that that's a, an evolving opinion or attitude from Alan Robinson, because I think that when he was sending out the cryptic social media messages and everybody was going to bat for him, I think it was, th- it was the bears and I want an extension and I want to stay here. And I love this franchise and I love everybody. Everything is great. And now it's okay, whatever, you know, I've said, I've told you all how much I love you. There's nothing I can do. It's out of my hands. I don't care. This is like the, this is like an evolving relationship, like an actual relationship where like, oh, yeah, I love you. I want to be with you. And then it just drags on and the person doesn't commit to you or not. And you get to the point where you're like, ah, whatever. Like, you want to you want to be with me? Whatever. I, I whatever. You know, OK. Does that make any right. sense? Does that analogy be, land? Seems to be the- the five yeah. stages of grief in whatever order. It's like, all right, this, <laughs> acceptance has occurred. Again, yes. it, and and that can occur in a relationship, as Trash Panda said. It's just, yeah. Oh well, because the person who cares less is in control of of any kind of relationship, and that then you wonder. And so Alan Robinson came to the came to accept the idea of, all right, last year I liked them more than they liked me. I thought they liked me. They don't like me anymore. And they don't like me as much as I like them, so I'm not going to like them as much anymore. And that's where they are. But they could be BFFs as soon as the money comes across. I don't know what's going to happen with the tag. He doesn't seem to want it. Uh, and I get why he wouldn't want it. But I also could see the advantage of being told, yeah, you're going to get $18 million. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know. Huh? Right. And I, and I do see it from the, the Bears' perspective. I, just, I do still think he's going to get... The franchise tech. Here's another thing too. I don't think a lot of people are saying that they think Allen Robinson would hold out of the mini camps and OTAs in whatever version they are this year. I don't think he will. I think he'll. I think he'll show up. I don't think he'll be happy about it. He's made that clear. I think he shows up and plays the good shoulder because I just I don't think it's in him not to do that. So so we'll see. I think it's coming, and I don't know that there's a I don't think there's going to be a long-term contract just because there's so many other things that they have to, the Bears have to tighten up. And we've talked about this forthcoming free agent frenzy too that's going to occur because of the lower salary caps around the NFL, meaning there's going to be teams that are cutting play, as we were talking about with Hub earlier, that'll be cutting players that they wouldn't normally cut. Well, you're right. We'll see. It's going to be quite the. Quite the musical chairs and see who has a seat at the end. I know there's more of what Mark heard. Let's take a break and come back with the rest of it. Can we do that? You have yeah. so we don't so we can um, we can have the give it the time it deserves. Yeah, it's, man. Uh, Mark Rody over there. I'm Steve Rosenblum over here. Our near award-winning segment, What Mark Heard, will return and in the back half of this hour. We'll hear from Steve Stone because we should always hear from Steve Stone. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. Saturday Suckage. We suck so you don't have to. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Welcome and welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Brody with you. Saturday suckage. We suck so you don't have to. Steve Stone, we'll, uh, we'll hear from him in the next half hour, but uh, first, we have more of what Mark heard. Mark, what did Mark heard? I think the most interesting player on the Chicago White Sox this year because what he has done to some degree and what, moreover, what he is expected to do at some point in time, and that is still Michael Kopech. And Kopech talks about adjusting what is, at least to begin the season, will be a bullpen role for the White Sox. Uh, yeah, I think it's just trying to realize that um, short-term recovery is going to be a lot more important. Um, I, I've kind of gotten used to the past few years of having four days in between starts, doing everything I needed to in those four days and having plenty of time to recover. Um, and now just getting back up every couple of days is going to be kind of an adjustment to me. Um, but I've kind of just been following along with the relievers that have established themselves, like Bummer and Hendricks and guys like that, and just kind of seeing what they do, seeing what works for them, and uh, taking what works for me. And then if it doesn't, then kind of make them adjustments from there. This might be a little early, but have they given you, like, is that a plan they would use during the season, or is it kind of whenever they need you, you're going to go pretty much? Um, I think as of right now, it's kind of just whatever they need out of me. Um, haven't really heard a specific plan. Um, I know kind of like you said that the the generalized plan was that I'll do some bullpen innings and then hopefully build up to have a starting career again at some point. Um, but as far as this year goes, I'm kind of just going with what I need my job to be. Yeah, Steve, I think that there's two guys right now, Michael Kopech and Garrett Crochet, who are going to start the year in the bullpen for the White Sox, who by the end of this year, the plan should be to have those two guys swap out, say, Rodon and and Lopez at the end of the year. And if Cease is struggling, perhaps him too. But that's what I would like to see. <laughs> I don't know where you are on Michael Kopech, because it's I don't want him to become one of those sad stories in Chicago baseball or Chicago sports where he's got everything and he just keeps having devastating injuries or, you know, mental issues or whatever the case may be. And he never lives up, quite lives up to the hype. But where, where are you on the hope meter for Michael Kopech? No, I'm with you on that because the, the, <clears throat> if the arrow, if it's pointing up and gets to where the apex should be, is you know there's Schilling and Johnson you're talking about that would be an unbelievable thing, and the first three in their rotation are already formidable. I mean they're they are award, they're nominees in that, and I just think that that would be terrific. Uh, I, his his upside it would be great to see. I'm I'm going to remain hopeful uh, because of what the the payoff might be. I don't think there's any other. I mean, what good's it going to do to just? Oh, this is never going to work out. He's just, he's just this. There's this a black cloud following him. It doesn't gain me anything. I might as well be as hopeful as I am gloomy and say, "Wow, look at what could happen if this guy gets it right physically, and mentally, and emotionally." And Garrett Crochet is not any kind of serious arm problem. Good. Lord, that's that's a <laughs> that's a, it's a staff for the millennium, isn't it? Oh my God! I mean, 
The crochet stuff, and I get it, some of it last year was novelty that the player opposing teams had not seen crochet, yep. so he's probably not going to get away with everything that he might have in the small sample size last year. But, like, talk about a guy who came in and lived up to what he was, throwing the pitches that he did in the style in which he did until he couldn't anymore. I mean, that was... That was something to see, and I think it's right. I think it is the right way to handle both of these guys. I do think it's good to have Crochet in the bullpen, but I think because and and it's a lot of it has to do with the two guys that are have been recently signed by the White Sox, and that's Dallas Keuchel and Lance Lynn. But they're obviously both veterans. They're guys that are not going to be around forever with the White Sox organization, and eventually you have a perfect situation where, yeah, Keuchel and Lynn are ahead of those two guys right now. But if they can become something, then you got a you got a great situation with the White Sox. But there are still some what ifs that exist with the both. They're um, playing. They're, they're saying the right thing. I will say this, and I would I would offer i would sit down with them if there's any question i would say to garrett crochet i have two words for you chris sale and i would look at michael kopech and say i have two words for you adam wainwright both your guys young young strong arms came in back into the bullpen that's where they were used they graduated to being all-star closers and and in sales case he were he then returned to being a World Series closer. But you look at what those guys did as young arms. That's t- Tony LaRussa can tell Michael Kopech the Wainwright story. That's how LaRussa used Wainwright. And I think there's so much to be gained from that. And uh, Michael Kopech has already always struck me as a guy who is as smart and, and understands a certain history and understands a certain process. Both pitchers really need to understand as much as you want to rush it. Don't they sound to you like guys who understand the process? And that's why they've been saying what they've been saying now as opposed to just, oh, it's the right thing to say, I have to say it? Yeah, it does. And I think I do think, though, in Kopech's case, he has to because he is he's essentially had two major surgeries and I think he's at a point where he needs that direction and he has to have some sort of, let's just call yeah. it, rehab program still that mm-hmm. he's in the midst of. So I don't think he, he has much of a choice but to be like, yeah, this is yeah. the right thing to do, even though it kind of sucks. And then, you know, with crochet, I mean, he had to have loved life last year. I mean, he uh, under normal circumstances, he may not have seen the big league roster, but because the White Sox were good and it was a novelty season and he was just as good as anybody in that bullpen, he got a shot. So, yeah, and especially you'd have to think that they sat down with these guys and said, here's the deal, you know, like, you, yeah, your bullpen now, but we think of you starters, and that's the and Rick Hahn has been public in saying that too. So yeah. it goes both ways. I got one more cut for you. I heard one more thing. And <laughs> Arturus okay. Karnaschovas, my friend. We talked about Arturus, the Bulls' boss. We're talking about him earlier today. The trade deadline is coming. And Karnaschovas says the players aren't just trade pieces to him. I mean, I, I never look, you know, at players as uh, trade commodities. I mean, you know, right now we... You know, like I said, you know, focus on winning games because that's, you know, the the separation between fourth and tenth place is a game and a half. So this group is doing pretty well. Um, and hopefully, like I said, you know, we can get Lowry back and OP and uh, see what we can do with this team. And um, had a pretty good month in February um, you know, with a winning record. So we'll see what we can do and, you know, when trade deadline comes, you know, like I said, you know, I, I think, I think now 12 or 13 teams are in, in the East. So I, I just think the team's going to try to improve. Uh, and like you said, you know, there's not going to be a lot of sellers. So I think we're just going to focus on our guys and how to get them better. Hmm. Yeah. I, I still think, that Arturus Karnaschovas does not care whether or not the Bulls make the playoffs. And if the right deal comes for Thad Young, you jump on it. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think he's stupid. I, I think he might be telling a little white lie. Um, because you, you are, 
it's a job failure if you don't look at your players as trade commodities. Right. But you are allowed to look at both. You can view them in the whole of the what is the pasti- what is the fabric of this? What are the pieces that make up this Bulls puzzle I have now? What would the and then you can say what would the individual pieces be worth on a trade market and do does my next puzzle get completed bigger and stronger? So I don't again I, he's not stupid. I think he's lying a little bit because he would be it would be a dereliction of duties if you didn't look at every player as a trade commodity. Don't you you that's why you pick up the phone. Of course. You make a call, you answer it, you go you find out what your guys are worth. So Well, especially I, says he says wrong. that like it, and I don't know if he's right about this, but he says there's going to there's not going to be a lot of sellers. So if that's the case, you're going to have a guy and, and Thaddeus Young, or maybe somebody else, maybe maybe Lowry Markkinen, that is going to be an extremely valuable, as he said, commodity um, that you can actually get something for. And while, yeah, it'd be neato to make the playoffs and all that kind of stuff and to be able to plant your flag there and say, yes, look what we did. But it's about developing players, and it's about finding out what you have, and it's about building a team that has sustained success and this ain't the team as it's presently constituted i don't think that is going to give you that do you no no it's not it, right. but it's also they're, they're paying playing poker i mean it's a it's it's a lying season as you for any league as you approach the trade deadline so he's just being you know arturus kgb about this whole thing and he's and he's just playing poker and yeah. making it sound as though that, you know, these are people, they matter, and that'll get back to, that'll resound in the locker room. But he has to be looking at them as trade commodities because that's how you get better. Right. I mean, you're not, you are not the defending champions, and you are not a favorite to win this year's. So you'd better be looking at all of your players as commodities, and that includes Zach Levine. I know you love Zach Levine, and I certainly understand that. But if Wayne Gretzky could be sold, if you've seen some great players move, then stuff can happen. Whatever you're being offered, for whatever reason, you have to listen. And if you have any questions, you pick up the phone and ask them. I like the game of trying to figure out what Arturus Karnaschovas is thinking. It's, <laughs> it's difficult, man, right? It is. Like, there was a GM in this town, whether you liked him or not, and John Paxson, who kind of wore his heart on his sleeve. Like, you kind of knew what what he was thinking and what he might do and what he might not do. And there were some surprises along the way, but we got to know what John Paxson was all about. We don't mystery Arturus Karnaschovas. We, we don't, we have not figured him out now. So it's all about inferring from his words and it's difficult. Right. And that's good for the bulls. And so he's going to have to lie to the public, lie to the media it, to yep. some degree, to whatever degree it is. And you, you understand that, but he, he has to look at them as trade commodities. Uh, I and that was what Mark heard. I loved what Mark heard. That's thank terrific. You. So Good. Thank you I'm glad you like my selection. I always try to make it a um, prime a selection of a buffet. A buffet. A buffet. Absolutely. Yeah, a, a panoply of actualities. Hey guys, uh, I, just, I just want to make sure real quick before we break that we note for all the Illini fans out there that Io DeSumo has been cleared to play today oh, against yeah. Ohio State. Against the Buckeyes. The Sumu. You, Sorry, the Sumu. I had a Sumu. I misspoke. Yeah. You did. So did you Did you also have an update? Because we talked to Hub, and I guess we never got back to it. You had said you had looked at, could a, tra- a team on draft day trade four draft picks, essentially, because it was that day. It was that draft day. Right or wrong? I did. So I found, I, I couldn't find the actual, like, rules, quote, unquote, from the league. But I found an article written by Mike Florio, who I consider a credible source, in 2015 when they were speculating about how many draft picks the Eagles might trade. So, you know, this is right before they traded up to draft Carson Wentz. And was that 2015? No, it wasn't 2015. No. No, that was 2017. Well, whatever. Yeah. It was an article about, for some reason, they were speculating how many picks the Eagles could trade in 2015. And anyway, he said that an, a, the league office stated then that before the draft begins, draft picks can be traded for that year, 
the year after, and the year after that. So that's three years of draft picks, and that year it would have been 2015, 16, and 17. But once the draft begins, you can trade an additional year out. So if you so include, right. if you yes, if you include the year you're Go in, me. you can trade four years. Okay, so on that day, once the draft, once once he walks out there and says, "Welcome to the draft." Once it begins, once he says, "Lousy team, you're on the clock," then then it becomes four draft picks uh, out for okay. And I have so heard about that. So I've suddenly heard that. I've heard yeah. Danny Parkins say that numerous times as well, so well, I, he I said believe it in we're the, on to something. He said it in the Kyle Long interview, he actually mentioned it, yes, too. Yes, he did. That oh, okay. The, the afford it. So I think you're, I think you're right, um, Rosenberg. Okay. Well, then things, that makes it a little more interesting, for even, even though it doesn't seem financially appetizing. All right, we'll take a break, and when we come back, you, we're always better off hearing from Steve Stone, and that, is what we're going to hear. He was on with Molly and, and Haw earlier this week. Oh. So that's what we're going to hear next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome and welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Brody with you. Saturday suck it. We suck so you don't have to. We had Hub on today. We had Rob, Rob Schaefer on. He's in NBC Sports Chicago. Evan Altman, Cubs Insider. Who did you like best, Mark? Let's vote. Hmm. Wow, you're asking me to to vote on which guest? I, well, yeah, I guess I, I will. I'll do the easy thing and just say Hub, since he's yeah, he's sure. on our team, and you know, I cover it. the Bears. By the way, Stevie Sunshine, I will be hosting a show tomorrow morning. I, Bears. <laughs> I will I was, be on the score tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. until noon, and um, on that show. So far. I will be having at 10 a.m. One Jared Payton will be joining me. So mark it down, Mark Grody. Mark it. See what I did there? Yeah. Oh, that was good. That was good. Nine to 12 on these very airwaves. On these very airwaves, right here, 9 a.m. to noon. Be talking a lot of Bears, Cubs. I'll be talking about everything, every single sport. And I would have you on, but we've talked about it all today. So yeah, we have. We pretty much have. And um, and you also the the podcast. Let me put a list together. You you guys are back. I reestablished for our audience that follows you on the podcast trail. Yes, we uh, the the name of the podcast is Let Me Put a List Together, which I perform with my buddy Brian Mitchell, who is a voice actor in Minnesota, and we just make lists about things that, about which we are passionate, and we build the list. And the most recent one that is up and running right now is um, top, I think, throw top 13 celebrity deaths, a very uplifting topic that we explored because, you know. Is it shocking? That what a weird thing to make a value? list about. The top no, 13 true, celebrity deaths? Come yeah. On, that would 13. sell on TV. That would sell it's an unlucky TV. number. I mean, it's, it's, it's stuff like Kurt Cobain and, you know, that kind of stuff that affects Kobe? everybody's lives because Kobe? Toby, <laughs> Toby, oh Kobe, yeah. no, not Toby. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yep, Kobe. Kobe is on the list. Absolutely, yeah. There's a couple athletes on the list. There is royalty on the list. There are musicians on the list, as one would suspect. So, you know, people are affected by these things, and uh, so we we took. Um, Man, I was gonna say we took a stab at it, but again, that's not great for oh. my part. Yeah, it's a right. it's a very morbid topic. Hey, <laughs> oh, um, right. so yeah, so I hope I hope you really want to listen to my podcast now. And uh, yeah, there's there's a bunch of episodes up and running. Oh, oh all right, okay. Good. A lot all of right. music topics and fun. Most of them are fun and light and fluffy and easy, but yeah, we we went dark on the celebrity deaths. And uh, happy talk tomorrow between 9 and 12 with Mark Rohde on the score airwaves. And uh, speaking of happy talk, if you're a Sox fan, you will want to hear this. Steve Stone was on with Molly and Haw this week on mornings 5 to 9 on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. So I want to thank everyone for listening. We want to bring you this. And um, if nobody important listened for the last three hours, then we will be back to do it next week. And after Steve Stone, you will get Zach Zaidman from 2 o'clock till 5. Thanks for listening, and thanks for tweeting, and thanks for our one phone call.
Chicago Sports Radio, <laughs> 670 to score. Steve, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Steve. I'm, I'm just terrific. Hi, boys. Uh, I hope uh, you're as excited as I am about uh, a couple of different things. Number one, the baseball season getting underway, and number two, a little bit closer every day to opening day, which is, in my estimation, one of the great days of the year. So uh, I think everybody associated with White Sox baseball is just ecstatic with uh, what's happened so far and what we see going forward. And, and, you know, it's fun because I think Tony La Russa has been sort of playing along with the media a little bit. And as he's asked these questions about different players, he kind of marvels at them as if he's seen them for the first time. Now, I know Tony is, uh, is a guy that's done a ton of work on everything, but he is playing along a little bit. And it's fun to hear him kind of uh, uh, appreciating this team that he's seeing. Well, I think what he's taking a look at on a daily basis is a, uh, a plethora of enormous talents. And the only question then remains, how many will be able to take that step or two forward they're going to need over a long championship season to take this team to where they want to get, which is winning the World Series. So he looks out at Luis Robert and just marvels at the tremendous skills he has, knowing that he was an advisor for the Angels and he was looking at Mike Trout, state-of-the-art kind of guy, and realizing that Luis Robert has everything that Trout has and maybe a, a touch faster than he is. So um, I think when he looks at all of the talent, he sees Moncada coming back, he sees Aloy Jimenez, one of the really gifted young hitters in the game, and then takes a look at his bullpen. You know, Tony loves bullpens. Tony was one of the guys that helped refine the roles in the bullpen when he was out in Oakland and uh, certainly uh, certainly at St. Louis, a lot of different places. And he's got a lot of tools out there. So um, I look at the ball club and I realize that certain guys have a ways to go, but I look at the talent they have, and I I think the sky is the limit to where this team winds up. And you know, Steve, Tony's best year in Chicago was 1983. That was also the year that Ethan Katz was born. And so I think he provides <laughs> a, a really good compliment to Tony as the new pitching coach. And I know you've had some interactions with Ethan Katz that, that have impressed you. What has stood out most in your conversations with him and what impact do you think he'll have on this staff? Well, uh, look, a number of different things. Number one, he understands the integration of both the physical and the mental aspect of pitching. Uh, he said you can't get near as much out of the physical aspect of what you're doing unless you refine the mental processes. And I think he has uh, put his stamp on his team, starting with Giolito, and it's going to go down from guy to guy. I think you're going to see Cease make a tremendous improvement. He's going to ease Michael Kopech through the bullpen transition that he's had to make, at least at first. And I look at Ethan Katz, and I look at a 37-year-old guy who can speak young pitching baseball, who also has a tie to old school. I, I think he has a great understanding of what each and every one of these guys needs. And he said he, he looked at video um, a tremendous amount before he ever started talking with these pitchers. And he looked at the style to which they use. He knew that he couldn't remake most of these guys. What he wanted to do was improve on what they did best. And I think that's one of the things that he talked about, as well as never having a, uh, a side session that wasn't beneficial. Work on something. Give these guys some sort of game competitive aspect to their side session so that they work and they strive and they get better every day. I liked a lot of what he said. I think he's going to be terrific. And, uh, you know, one of the keys will be Michael Kopech, not only this year but going forward. And making that transition to the bullpen for a guy who was a lifetime starter and understanding that an organization that I'm very familiar with, the Baltimore Orioles in years past, used to take all of their young players and put them in the bullpen first, that first blush of the major league experience, and then they came out a whole lot better for it. So um, I think he's going to make a big difference to a lot of guys, and he has instant credibility for what he did with Lucas to make him the pitcher that he's been the last couple of years. Yeah, you know, no question about that. Um, you know, I look at this pitching staff, and it, it's so much improved. Uh, I, but we all know that one of the great issues in baseball is going to be how you stretch guys out, how much usage, uh, how you're careful about last year. Um, do, do you have any uh, – what would you do about – I mean, how many starters are you going to need, Steve? How, how, how are you going to handle – 
getting to a certain number of innings and maybe stretching beyond it, hopefully for a playoff run? Well, I think, first of all, you need to have your five, and then you need to have some insurance policies. And that's going to come into play more and more as we get through the season because coming off a 60-game year and some of the guys coming off injury, like Kopech, who basically Mm -hmm. hasn't thrown uh, any length of time in the last two years, Um, Carlos Rodon, who doesn't have any innings build up over the last couple of years, you're going to have to really protect some of these guys. But there are people who speculate that you might want to have your five starters and maybe two or three more guys that are in waiting, guys that can give you multiple innings out of the bullpen. Uh, Most teams are going to go with that one extra arm out of the bullpen because bear in mind, it's not going to be 28 this year like it was when we started out last year. It's going to be 26 guys on your roster. And so people want that one person out of the bullpen that will take away the one move you have on the bench. Excuse me. I think apparently, especially in the American League where you don't you don't have pitchers hitting, you're not going to need the moves off the bench. So you have one more one more reliever. But I think this year, for the first time in a long time, those guys are going to be interchangeable. I know Tampa Bay has done that a lot. I think a lot of people will take a look at what the Rays have done and say, you know what, not a bad idea. Make it interchangeable with your AAA team which means that one of the most or two of the most valuable players are going to be guys with major league experience who still have options because you don't risk losing them if you send them down. And so it's going to be a delicate dance done by every front office and every uh, managerial uh, pitching coach combination to figure out who we use, how we use them, how many times he gets up, where can we get a little bit extra from this guy, a little bit less from that guy. And this is going to be that intricate dance that we're going to see all year long, sending guys down, bringing them back up, having an emergency starter here or there. So I can't give you a number because it depends on injuries and it depends on who's going to develop, depends on which arms are stronger than others. But there was one thing that I heard from a lot of major league managers that I bear in mind, and that is – The best pitching staff doesn't always win. When you get to August and September, the healthiest pitching staff wins. That's where Tony La Russa excels. He has a great understanding of what to do with his pitchers. He had Dave Duncan for many, many years. Now he has Ethan Katz. Um, You can't compare uh, Dave Duncan with Ethan Katz at this point because Dave has done it. If there was a Hall of Fame for pitching coaches, he would certainly be there. By the way, along with Don Cooper, who would be there. But Ethan Katz is going to get there. He needs experience. He's going to get it. He and Tony LaRusso are going to work hand-in-hand to ease this team through this season. And the pitching staff, both bullpen and starting rotation, is going to be, as it usually is, but more so this year, one of the great keys to unlocking a championship season for the White Sox. Let's look a little closer at that bullpen, Steve. You know, I think that there's been heavy praise heaped upon it this spring for good reason. You get Liam Hendricks, you get a healthy Aaron Bummer, you look at the way roles could be defined. The question I would have is that with Tony LaRussa, do you think those roles will be more structured and consistent than than before, or will there be uh, an element of, of you see how things play out, you see who fits where? Because when you look at the Sox, and all the options they have at their disposal in the bullpen, they've got a lot of talent down there. I just wonder how will they hone that talent and use it to specifically define each guy's role? Well, it certainly is an embarrassment of riches. And, you know, in in boxing, what they say, David, is that everybody has a game plan until they get punched in the face. (laughs) And you can have defined roles. Uh, Roles are defined, and that's terrific. But I do remember a guy that people in Chicago are very familiar with, a guy who won uh, the occasional World Series, his name was Chuck Tanner. And I remember some of the younger pitchers going up to him and said, uh, and bear in mind, this was in, the, this was in the early 70s. They said, well, what's my role? And he would take their glove, he would put a baseball in it, and he'd say, son, your role is when I give you the ball, you get people out. That's your <laughs> role. And I think that's what's going to happen this year. Uh, look, Hendricks is going to be at the end. You're going to have those bridge guys. Aaron Bummer is one of those guys. And please don't forget Garrett, Garrett Crochet because right. the man's unhittable. 
I mean, he has electric stuff that he's going to use this year and just baffle hitters. Imagine if you're an opposing hitter thinking about getting into a bullpen, maybe the sixth, the seventh inning, whatever, sometimes the eighth, and you're going to see Kopech and Crochet coming out as a lefty-righty fireball duo. It's not going to be real comfortable. Then you add in Aaron Bummer, who's got as good a stuff as you'll ever find. Um, you take Marshall, you take Foster, you take each and every one of those guys that will come into the ball game. Each one throws harder than the next. Um, each one has uh, has stuff that only people aspire to. Most people will never get there. And then it's the utilization of those guys. So as far as roles, look, Hendricks is going to close games. But if he's uh, if he's in need of a day off, you're going to have bummer being able to close games. And eventually, I think Crochet is going to be able to close games. I don't know if his destiny is in the bullpen. If it is, I mean, he's he's a Roldis Chapman. That's what you're looking at, a guy with wow. good control, can throw the ball, you know, in triple digits consistently with a great hard slider. Um, you know, we like to compare certain guys to other guys because you see success out of the bullpen. You say, well, he's exactly like that guy. If you're looking at this bullpen and you have all of these weapons at your disposal, you'll realize, like those great Kansas City teams, if you didn't have the lead after six innings, you lost the game. We're going to get to the point where if teams don't have the lead against the White Sox after six, they can phone it in. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 